It is. It is locked on jazz for the 13th of July. The Donovan Mitchell rumors are back. What did Woj's tweet mean? Why are the Jazz taking calls now? Is the Donovan trade inevitable? Are we just waiting for desperation from someone? What does it all mean? What's going to happen? And what are the impacts? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. And wow, what is it to be a jazz fan right now? It has truly been a roller coaster of items for everyone recently. What's better? I can't tell here with the light in this funky room. Uh, it's now just pretty dark in here. Well, we'll go with that. Uh, sorry, just on the YouTube, I turned on and off the light. You probably heard the camera um, bouncing around. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in, making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We greatly appreciate it, and uh, we are free and available on all platforms for you, as uh, including YouTube. All right, we are uh, I'm broadcasting live. We're out in La Jolla, San Diego area. My daughter's playing Junior Worlds Golf. So that is it. No, there was not a podcast yesterday. If you listened the day before, I kind of alluded to that um, on the way. All right, let's let's get into this. There's there's a ton of angles, but the big story is the tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski yesterday that suddenly the Jazz were now taking phone calls and are uh, and had a willingness to trade Donovan Mitchell. Now. Some of this stems from a Justin Zanuck comment that change is inevitable and that we're, and that frankly, you know, no one is untouchable in the press conference the day before. And I think, you know, that I think is a, is a part of what's happening here, but why did this tweet come out? I think is the first question that there. And, and so let's go with the first tweet. The first tweet was basically that the jazz weren't taking calls, were uninterested and were kind of. And, and gave this like visual perspective of like somebody calling and saying, hi, Danny, this is, you know, so-and-so. And I was wondering about the possibility of Don, Donovan Mitchell and Danny hangs up the phone like right away. Like that's kind of a ludicrous concept to start with. So the, 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 the like the big story is the jet, like the way it's being couched is that the jazz have made some pivot. I'm actually a little low on that being a story because the idea that there's a phone call coming in from whomever, I mean, Pat Riley, Danny Ainge might have hung up or vice versa with their history, tongue in cheek firmly. But I think truthfully, like if somebody calls up and says, hey, how's it going? By the way, would you be interested in the following for Donovan? Would this be a framework of how we could get something done? What, like the idea at that moment, the Jazz hang up? Like, I mean, if it's John Horst and he says Giannis, you're saying yes. So that's a ludicrous concept to start with, the idea that the Jazz were actually ever at a moment in time in which they were literally hanging up the phone if you said the name Donovan Mitchell. Now, was this a signal out there from someone that something's changed in the Jazz? That they, 
I don't can't really imagine that anything changed in seven days unless, and this has to be considered, unless Donovan's people at CAA, who may represent Wodes for all I know, sent that out. Like, that could be the possibility of like, hey, we we actually want them to take trade talks, so we're going to send out the message. But the way Wodes couched it is it was from rival GM. So I think there's, you know, and, and let's not be naive to this. There is certainly a track record of Woj pivoting off his stance and then something happening within seven days of that moment. And then he looks as though he was right on it, which he was because um, he's pretty well informed. So there could be something here. Right. But honestly, there's still no urgency from the jazz standpoint to get a Donovan deal done. Like, there's nothing that's making the Jazz not go to the opening day of the season with Donovan Mitchell. If you listen, actually, to the Woj podcast with Will Hardy today, then you actually find out that the Will Hardy-Donovan Mitchell relationship's a little deeper than anyone's made it sound to be. So I don't think there's anything from a Jazz standpoint. In fact, I was talking to a huge Jazz fan yesterday out here in San Diego. We were walking the golf course. And my point a little bit was for the Jazz to make the next move, the on Donovan, there's no urgency at all. In fact, I when is the best time if you're going to move Donovan and you don't have to, when's the best time? Is it right now? Is it the trade deadline or is it next year? Frankly, next year he still has three years left on his deal. And the best time to make these deals, as the Atlanta as the San Antonio Spurs just showed, as the Utah Jazz just showed, as the Boston Celtics showed with the Brooklyn Nets is in a time of desperation. So the Brooklyn Nets with Pokish, with 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 their owner, the Russian owner, uh, were absolutely desperate. They had to win now. They had this incredible force upon them. They had to win. And Danny Ainge fleeced them. Absolutely fleeced them. Minnesota, with Tim Conley taking over, felt a definite urgency, felt there was really a limited window by which they could go get a unique player. I think they're feeling a little Carl Anthony Towns pressure. I think they're feeling a little Anthony Edwards pressure. I think there's a level of desperation there, and the Jazz took advantage of it. You know, the Spurs did a wonderful job because the rumor I'm hearing is DeJounte Murray had basically told the Spurs, I'm not coming back. It's funny how that's not being reported at all. The Spurs just get a pass on this. But the word I heard was that the Spurs basically were told, like DeJounte basically said, I'm not coming back. I'm not playing for Pop anymore. I'm not coming back when my time is up for an extension. And they moved him. And Atlanta was in desperation. They have an incredibly heavy-handed owner who's always demanding moves from Travis Schlenk. They made some moves already. They didn't have a great year last year. They needed another piece. They couldn't roll it out the same way. And San Antonio took advantage of that. So the question right now is, like, where's the desperation? Well, Atlanta already played their desperation. Minnesota already played their desperation. New York isn't quite desperate because they signed Jalen Brunson, but they're going to be pretty damn desperate if that doesn't work. Right? If you go look at the Eastern Conference setup right now of the betonline.net odds, New York comes out 10th in the Western Conference. Well, when they, or excuse me, in the Eastern Conference, when they finish 10th in the Eastern Conference, or when they're heading toward 10th in the Eastern Conference at the trade deadline, or coming up here at the end of the year next year, that's a level of desperation. That's when Danny Ainge is going to make a trade. But right now, there's no sign of desperation, and there's frankly no have to on trading Donovan Mitchell right now. Now, the Jazz have come out and said their window, as they were previously construction, closed. We'll do sometime this week, like how did it close, where did it close, why did it close? We just have too much news coming flying at us every day on that. And so... 
that window is closed. And so now what is the next window? Does the next window include Donovan Mitchell or does it not include Donovan Mitchell is a 100% a legitimate question. Can the Jazz build it fairly quickly with Donovan Mitchell? Or is that not a viable window and the window is actually using Donovan Mitchell as an asset to go get more pieces to be able to now start a full-flown rebuild that's going to take years on end to build up? That's a completely legitimate question. But that's not different today than it was yesterday. Or it was a week ago. It's not different in any way, shape, or form. It's just not. And there have been, frankly, multitude of local reports from our local reporters saying exactly that. The only thing that pivoted was the national reports. This is a classic example. And in this case, I'll give Andy Larson and Tony Jones and Eric Walden and Sarah Todd the credit. Like, this is why Lockdown's awesome, because it's our local experts who actually follow the story every single day, know their team, are engaged in it. And, 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 and that's actually what goes on with Lockdown. It's the same thing with these other reporters. If you've been listening to this, this is not new. It's new because Woj put it out as a headline, so it's new. But frankly, the idea that Danny Ainge was taking a call and the minute someone Don- said Donovan Mitchell, he hung up the phone is asinine. What is reality is that the Jazz are building a new route to try to be great, and it's not. It's without Rudy Gobert. Right now it's with Donovan Mitchell. And what is that route? Is that route using Donovan Mitchell as the centerpiece to how they're building? Or if that deems to not be possible, is that route going to be using Donovan Mitchell to gain more assets as they did with Rudy Gobert to move forward? That situation's actually not different. Maybe not clarified as well as we should have over the time, but not any different just because a tweet went out. So that's kind of where we are. Like, who's urgent and when's the window to to prance on the urgency? Now, let's not be naive. There's an impact to all this, and we'll touch on that as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Today's show brought to you by our good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan. And in Linden, I told you I was getting closer and closer and closer. I have put down the order for an Ionic electric Hyundai. I'm on my third one, two Santa Fe's and an Ionic. So when I'm preaching to you, sitting here talking about Murdoch Hyundai, like frankly, I'm 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 over a hundred grand in buying Murdoch Hyundai's at this point, right? Like crazy. So why? Because the Hyundai lineup of car for me, obviously, I know Blake, I know the Murdoch family. I've gotten perfect service every time I've dealt with them as both a customer and obviously in my role. I feel totally comfortable sending you to them. Every single one of our people we sent there have had perfect service when we give them the VI lockdown VIP treatment. And then also it's just the car, right? For me, when I'm spending my own money, no surprise, it's an analytical analysis. It's value, features, safety. What am I getting? Look, look matters. I think I've told the story many years ago. Like I did all the analysis, had the car that, all the numbers that I was supposed to buy didn't like the way it looked and then actually just switched to the nicer model, uh, spent a lot more money, but like I didn't like the other version. So I like the look, the analytics, the, you, there's no car where you get more value for your dollar. Safety ratings are incredible. And then the service I get at Murdoch Hyundai is great. Murdoch Hyundai located 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. If you're going to stop by either of those two, feel, feel free to email me first and uh, we'll set you up with that locked on VIP meeting. Orange Dreamsicle Puffs. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's right. They are Orange Dreamsicle Puffs is the latest from Built. 
I thought they did themselves with the coconut brownie chunk puffs. The raspberry lemonade bar came out this week. The brownie batter puffs are a favorite of mine. Coconut marshmallow puffs. I'm a puff guy. I like the puffs. The new orange dream school puffs. There's a huge thing that says get additional 10% off statewide or site-wide, but you get 15% off with us with the promo code LOCKED15. Built Bar with the incredible macros that is Built Bar, and that is incredibly 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, 4 net carbs, 4 grams of sugar, and 6 grams of fiber with 17 grams of protein for just 130 calories and 2.5 fat grams and 4 grams of sugar. Absolutely awesome. The best tasting protein bar on the market. Tastes like a candy bar. It is Built Bar. Go check it out right now. The Orange Dreamsicle is the latest flavor. And use the promo code LOCKED15 and take advantage of your 15% off. A uh, little note over here in the chat room. Uh, reports about Sexton for Conley sign and trader. Interesting if that trade happens. I'll believe the Jazz are moving Don. Thoughts? I would be really surprised if the Jazz go back to um, a six foot six foot one six foot one guard line after doing it once before and Colin Sexton six foot one. So I, your logic that if we go and get Sexton, it's probably the next step. I think that's probably a fair assessment. I can't see why Cleveland, who just um, I believe re-signed Ricky Rubio and just re- and just signed Howell Neto um, is trading for Mike Conley. So I, I got Jake Fisher's report there. Um, Jake also reported what I think we had kind of been alluding to, that the Clippers were a possibility on Conley. And um, then they signed John Wall instead. I mean, this goes back to something we've been talking on Locked on Jazz throughout this entire time, that the first goal of the offseason was, all right, Conley, Bogdanovich, Clarkson, O'Neal, what can we do? And when the answer was nothing, then you end up moving Rudy, right? Like, and, you know, and that was really kind of where I had it was that you look at what you can move. Can we improve the team? Can we go get a Dame Lillard, a Chris Porzingis, a Tobias Harris, something monstrous that gives this team a, another jolt and changes its dynamic and who it is. And we all knew that we had to have a new voice going into this offseason, into this new season, and just the head coach wasn't enough. And as Danny said in the press conference the other day, Danny Ainge coming, hey, it wasn't any fun. Like, we had no draft pick. We had no free agency. We had no flexibility. You do that move. I'm talking about you still have very little draft pick. You still have very little flexibility. You're not going. You're you're kind of, that's it, right? Like, is Tobias Harris really going to push us over the edge? And was he even available? Was Dame Lillard, was he even available? Probably not. Was Chris Dapps-Rosingas worth the risk? So those excuse me, those deals just didn't seem to be available. And then also, frankly, you know, Jake Fisher reports we were looking for, now we're starting to look for like mid-range picks for Bogdanovich, O'Neal, Conley. Got one for Royce. Haven't been able to get one for Conley or Bogdanovich yet. And so you're, that if you remember our decision-making tree was you did that, then you went to Donovan and Rudy, and you didn't like it, you go back, you still come back to have to trade Donovan and Rudy, so we traded Rudy. Now the decision-making tree is similar. The decision-making tree is still very similar to where we are today, which is, all right, now we have these ass, many more assets, much more flexibility, much more stuff coming at us, much more cap room. And can we use that, plus Conley, Bogdanovich, Clarkson, to move to, to make moves around and Vanderbilt and Beverly and Beasley and, right, like, and Kessler, like they're all assets now, to build around Donovan Mitchell. And if... It turns out that the answer to that is no, that that's not the best route to rebuilding and getting the team to championship level. Then the next answer 
is trading Donovan Mitchell? And the answer to that is not necessarily today. It might be in a year when people's desperation kicks up. Now, here's what's tricky about this, is that there is an impact to this. The impact gets to be, like, how does Donovan's a human, and Donovan has people in his camp. And if the people in his camp really start to just sour on this whole environment and everything around it, this gets a little tricky. I loved the comment by Donovan the other day. I didn't play well enough last year for me to be demanding anything. That's the humble, awesome kid we've always dealt with. And Donovan's great. There's no part of me that is interested in trading Donovan Mitchell. This has been a guy that's been absolutely fabulous to watch, develop, and go. And he's our most valuable piece. So there's nothing that says, like, moving Donovan Mitchell is a desired move or the right move or, you know, it might turn out to be the same way moving Rudy probably was a de- the right move but not desired. But there is an impact to this of the sense that, you know, you just – there feels like an urgency to it. It feels like an inevitability to it. That it makes it a little harder for Donovan to buy in. Though I do, I am encouraged on how much deeper the Will Hardy Donovan Mitchell relationship is than I think has been set. And I really admire Will Hardy for the sense that it seems like he underplayed it until getting asked very specifically by Woj on his press conference that re- or on his podcast that released today about it. And the story is that remember they're in Japan together for the. Uh, Olympics and they're under strict COVID rules. So after games, there's not much they could do. Will Hardy's talked about how the fact that, and Steve Kerr has actually talked about this in Eric Walden's piece that, that Steve Kerr is with Will Hardy and Greg Popovich and Lloyd Pierce and that whole group of coaches. And they just sitting around all the time because they can't go outside. They're totally, they're totally inside a, a, a sequestered bubble in the, in the Tokyo Hilton. And there's not much they can do. And then Will Hardy is shares the story that he was in charge of film. And Donovan, as we know, is an avid film watcher, just absorbs it and absorbs, absorbs. It's such a bright basketball mind. And, and so Will would download the video to Donovan's computer. And while they were sitting there waiting, they didn't have anywhere to go or do. So they would just sit around and chat and they would chat about TV shows or the game or the film or life or whatever. And so that relationship is already established, which I think means in this tumultuous situation we're talking about, then maybe there's going to be um, a, it might've been world championships, not Olympics, whatever. I, I, somebody just corrected me. said, Don wasn't on the Olympic team. Um, so, I, you know, whatever, in this group and in this setting, the setting's all the same. The set, I, the environment might not have been USA basketball. And and so the, the fact is that that relationship's a little deeper. And as Will's been talking about throughout, like he's here to build personal capital with all the guys. That's already built. So while there is certainly an impact, and there certainly is a window where this is going to be really kind of uncomfortable and never going to stop. Donovan's the number one trade piece on the marketplace right now. And the Knicks do have 11 picks all of a sudden. I only want the Knicks picks, by the way. I just want to point that out. All the others are protected like top 10 through 17, and they're just going to be rotation players. And I have no confidence in the Knicks organization based on 37 years of track record. So if we want to make a trade with the Knicks, I want their picks, and I want them unprotected, and I want to see what the Knicks can do. Um, Just a side note on that. Um, But I think that's that there is – let's not lie about – let's not like 
be denial about the fact that there there is an impact of this and it leads to an awkwardness and it's going to take great maturity. And I don't actually have any doubt on Donovan whether he can handle that maturity. And I don't have any doubt that Will Hardy can handle that maturity. I'm a little concerned on the outside voices around Donovan. I do love kind of the way I've heard Donovan talk about his offseason right now. I wasn't good enough last year. And I have watched Donovan go through this progression of being a star, being an Adidas person, being an all-star, being a three-time all-star, having a ton of people around him, having a lot to being Donovan Mitchell and watching this and watching him deal with it. And I think, I feel like I'm comfortable enough in knowing him where he, I think he's realized, okay, I made a mistake here. This is the right way to do this. This was not the right way to do this. This separated me from the team more than I thought. This did this to me. And there's some areas where he has to evolve. And I think that's, I think that's great. That's the natural progression of what a star goes through in this league. And Donovan is most certainly a star. And he's going to only get better and better and better. The other one that's important here to think about in the track record is Danny Ainge's history. Because Ainge's, everyone goes through their model of what they know and what they've done before and how they build something. So let's go back to Ainge's model before, and then also a uh, little summer league thought, a lot of concern about Jared Butler, and I'll text on that. Uh, I'll touch on that in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by Intercap Lending. That's my guy, Steve Carter, over at Intercap Lending. They are our own personal loan officers for Locked On. Steve is just our own personal loan officer, and he's just done amazing, amazing work. He's done two of ours. I was talking to my wife about it last night. Uh, I got an email from Steve. And I said to my wife, do you know Steve Carter? She's like, of course I know Steve Carter. And then she literally even said, that last refinance was the easiest thing we've ever done. It is. He's just amazing. Intercap started as just a few branches in Utah when Josh Romney moved them back over in April of 2016. They're in their 40th year. They're one of the largest, now probably their 45th, one of the largest independent lenders in the country. And they just keep growing and growing and growing. And the reason is because they get deals done. They service your own loans, long-term relationship, better for the customers, and they get the deals done done. Steve Carter is our own personal loan officer. You can call him at 385-885-28. That's 385-885-28. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Steve Carter, you can email me first at dlock09 at gmail. I'll just set you up with Steve. But right now, it's really right now is the time where you need a really good loan officer to help you out uh, and to uh, make sure that everything comes together uh, correctly for you. And uh, that is uh, with all the different changes that are going on. Steve Carter's the guy for it. Feel free to email me first at Intercap or to get you to Intercap Lending or call Steve directly. And make sure that you mention that he is, uh, that you are with Locked On because when you're with Locked On, you get a corporate discount. That's Steve Carter at Intercap Lending. So Danny Ainge took over locked on or took over the lockdown. Danny Ainge took over the Celtics in 2003. And we did this in the Danny Ainge series. It's available for you in the Danny Ainge playlist. And by the way, thanks very much for making locked on your first listen of the day. Locked on NBA is available for you. So uh, at uh, for your second listen. So Danny takes over in the 2003, 2004, 2003 season. And they end up losing kind of in a first-round playoff series. He builds a team that has a bunch of pieces. But the main piece on it is a 26-year-old Paul Pierce. Now, is Donovan Mitchell going to be as patient as a 26-year-old 
Paul Pierce? I don't know the answer to that. But Danny Ainge builds on a 26-year-old Paul Pierce, hires Doc Rivers as his head coach, and in the first year, it's Antoine Walker, and it's Gary Payton, and it's Ricky Davis, and it's Ray Flint-Frentz, and he's working these pieces, and he starts making draft picks, and he starts to piece the whole thing together, and they they go, they actually have this overachieving 45 and 37 year, and then they dip to 33 wins, and you know maybe Boston's a more appealing place, but frankly, at the time, it was not. Um, and Paul Pierce is now 28 years old, and he's averaging 27 points a game, and he's the man. And they build this thing up with Doc, and they end up winning 24 games in the third year, and it's kind of ugly. And Paul Pierce is all there, and then all of a sudden, Danny strikes. He's built his assets, he's moved his pieces. You go back to listen to Ainge, part one of his of how he built his team. And then he suddenly goes and gets Kevin Garnett with all of his draft picks in Minnesota. He trades the fifth pick for Ray Allen and he builds he's draft and he suddenly has put this thing together. He's got Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. He's drafted Ray John Rondo. He's drafted Kendrick Perkins. He's drafted Tony Allen with the assets he got from previous deals. He adds James Posey to the mix as a veteran and he builds himself a championship team in this model, and then he obviously does the, the vaunted trade that everyone talks about all the time. But if we go back to the first part about it, the first part about this is Ainge with Paul Pierce in a very similar kind of position in a franchise to where the Jazz sit right now. Like, if you go back and look at the Boston Celtics when Danny Ainge takes over in 2003, they had gone and been to the Eastern Conference Finals, the Eastern Conference Semifinals. Then they had burned out in the first round, and that's when Danny Ainge makes all the changes. You know, Rick Pitino, they had taken over for Jim O'Brien in the 2001-2002 season, and that Danny's not there yet. This is under Jim O'Brien, and this team may be similar to the Donovan Mitchell, like Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert group is Antoine Walker, Paul Pierce, Kenny Anderson, and then Danny the next year they go to the Eastern conference finals and lose to Jason Kidd's team. And the next year they flame out and get swept by the New Jersey nets in the second round. And that team is again, a, that's a similar assistant, by the way, in Frank Vogel, Antoine Walker, Paul Pierce, At that point it's, you know, Walter McCarty and Eric Williams and Tony Delk and Tony Batie. And then the next year they fade out and they get swept in the first round by the Pacers. Pretty similar kind of story to where the jazz are. And that's when they start to make the changes. And that's when Danny puts his stamp on the team. He hires Doc Rivers. And now all of a sudden, by his first year, the team is Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. But Antoine Walker lost last 24 games in that season before he's traded. And Ray Fliff, and, and he trades Antoine Walker as the first kind of piece of that rebuild of what the Celtics are, leaving Paul Pierce in the middle. So is that a possibility of what Danny's doing here? Again, is... The fact that he's, you know, he's got Donovan Mitchell and he's going to try to sell Donovan Mitchell. This is our plan. He's already made the first move, which was the Rudy Gobert trade instead of the Antoine Walker trade. And now he starts with the little pieces and the assets. And then the other thing Danny was always been great at, if you went through that three-part sequence, was he held on to the draft picks that he thought were valuable and he moved the ones that he might have missed on or didn't have a piece. And so the Kendrick Perkins and the Marcus Smarts and these draft picks that just held with him forever – but the other ones he moved around. You draft them and you move them. You draft them and you move them. You draft them and you move them for other assets. And that's what he's always been 
really, really good um, at doing. So we'll see now what the timeline is and how that works and whether Donovan's willing to be a part of it. That might be a different era today where Paul Pierce was willing to be a part of it and maybe Donovan's not going to be as bought in. I do think, and I'm not going to get into it because I don't think that those people deserve some of the, I'm hearing a lot of stories from people and I have not seen it of a lot of Donovan hate on Twitter. It's stupid. Just stop. You're ridiculous. He's a great kid. He's been totally loyal to our market. He's changed our market in a fabulous way. He's brought super things to us. He went to a white party with Jay-Z. Shut up. You would too. Like really like you would too. If you had enough like clout to go to that party, you would have gone to like, Oh, we want Donovan like sitting, twiddling his thumbs being bored. No, he's living his life. He's a 25-year-old who's, like, hot as can be, like, in society, not, like, looks. Fine, he can be. I don't care. And he's got, he's got it rolling, and he's got $100 million, and he's living the life, and he's still working out, and he'll still be ready, and he's plays, and he, like, and he's made mistakes as he's learning how to be a star because he's a human kid. But he's awesome. Don't lose that fact. He's awesome. And if we trade him, he's still awesome. Same way Rudy's still awesome. Okay? Let's not get lost in stupid pettiness in the midst of this. Okay. And so, so uh, movie Andy tells me he is pretty cute. Um, it, I didn't look like Donovan at 26. I'm pretty certain that's, pre- I'm pretty sure that's good for him. Okay. All right. Jared Butler. Few things on Jared Butler. One is we treat Jared Butler. We act like Jared Butler is supposed to be like unbelievable and be like a top 10 pick. He was the 40th pick of a draft. Let's let him try to exist in that realm. I know Jared Butler doesn't think he was the 40th pick of a draft, and Jared Butler thinks he was the MVP of the NCAA, and they should have been a first-round pick. But the truth of the matter is that he is the 40th pick of a draft. That is a really hard route to be a successful NBA player. So the idea that we're asking him to like be a star seems unfair. The 0 for 10 three-point shooting is disconcerting, and I've always been bothered by the amount of air balls he shoots in the sense that it means that there's something going on with the speed of the game that's alternate because he's a brilliant shooter. So the fact that he's putting up air balls when he's that good a shooter is telling me that the shooting window is closing on him so fast and so quick that he's not able to be able to get off his shot the way he wants to, and it's being altered severely. And that's concerning to me a little bit. Del Toledo says, Butler's Trey Burke. Okay, great. As the 40th pick of the draft, if we could get Trey Burke, that would be outstanding. Now, whether Jared Butler is going to be okay with that or not, like there's, I think, a disconnect right now between what Jared Butler believes his route to success in the NBA and is and what and what Jared Butler's route to success is. I think that actually is a little bit of a disconnect of where those two teams are right now. Or those two things are, and he's and maybe this summer league is going to be humbling, and he can navigate that better moving forward. Um, but I think we have to realize, like I know that everyone wants to say, well, he's a first round talent. He wasn't. He wasn't drafted in the first round. Like honestly, I know he had knee issues and he had the heart thing. Like if he was a first round talent at that point, he gets drafted in the late first round because of the fact even if that stuff is going to perk up in three to five years, it's still a good draft pick in the late first round. But he wasn't. He was drafted 40th. Doesn't mean he doesn't have a chance. It just doesn't mean we should expect him to be annihilating people. The shooting is disconcerting because that is his strength. And so what's disconcerting is when his strength goes bad, 
then what does he have? And so I think that is, I'm not like, let's not. And as I just said, I think the air balls are disconcerting because it tells me the shooting window is closing on him in such a fashion that that's what's impacting his shot is the low release, the lack of size, maybe not quite quick enough. He's got great hesitations, got great things. And he's working super hard on distributing and passing. And when summer league started, I said, let's not evaluate him on his shooting is let's evaluate on his playmaking, his defense, and things like that. And his shooting has become so poor that we're all fixated on it, rightfully. But he did have 10 assists. He is passing the ball well. He is doing some other things well. Last thing, I just said this. I want to make sure this is clear. This is Tyler's way. I don't believe this in any way, shape, or form. 40th pick because of medical issues would have been a first-round pick otherwise. No. There have been plenty of first-round picks with medical issues. If you're good enough and you have medical issues, you might not go 5, you might not go 10, you might not go 15, but you do go 25. And he didn't. So let's let Jared Butler breathe a little, lower the expectations realistically and what we're hoping. We're hoping to get a second-round pick hit, and let's focus on the 10 assists, some better defensive effort, and some things of that nature with him. All right. How did the window close, by the way? We'll touch on that before the week is over because that, I think, is an interesting conversation. Thanks very much for staying with us today. It is Locked On Jazz. Thanks for making us your first listen. For your second listen, go to Locked On NBA. Have a great one. Thanks very much for tuning in. Five-star reviews and thumbs up on YouTube are greatly appreciated. See you.